Oh, 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 wow. Oh, that was weird. I saw Matt and then he was gone. Hey, uh, it's Thursday, Thursday. It's time to hang out. And tonight we are going to do uh, an expedited show for a couple of reasons. One, Matt's going to join us here in just a little bit. He's actually, well, for lack of a better term, washing his balls right now. And we're not going to interrupt that. Um, can't say balls on the air. Testicles? <laughs> Baby batter beans? <laughs> that one's okay. That's okay. Yeah, that one passed. That one passed. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, while he's uh, stroking the old yogurt can in the shower, uh, we are uh, we're going to go for an hour, one hour, and then uh, mm-hmm. we have not done an after show in a while. Haven't hung out with our patrons in that format for a hot minute because uh, we've all been busy. We've had things going on. And we've had to get sleep because we're doing all sorts of hellacious things to our bodies all of which are legal, uh, just not very sane. And uh, yeah, so it's going to be the old school lawn care help desk format tonight. So type in those questions, email them if you'd like. If you want to go old school, you can send those to mail at thegrassfactor.tv. And uh, we'll take a look at those. We'll take take a look at the ones in the chat and we'll go through these. And also, if you want to join us after the show, in the after show, you can go ahead and hit us up www.patreon forward slash burn return. Go over there, join us for the price of what I believe is now less than the average gallon of gas in the United States uh, at the low end. Or, you know, if you want to pay more money, go ahead and do that. Uh, and uh, we'll, we'll hang out. You'll get access to our private discord server and access to our after show, which uh, is a little bit more risque than uh, the yogurt can. <laughs> Hey, there's, there's a, the first question just came in the chat. Uh, did you wash your balls in the shower? Or did you uh, I did. Like a, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I you have know. to. So, um, like, uh, right, After right now at work, a court, get a court order. It is, it should be a court order. Um, we're, we're working with this material and, uh, I'll give you, um, I can't. I can't say what all the active ingredients are, but uh, sure. let me let me tell you. It leaves like a film, kind of on your on your skin. Uh, w- one of them is, is an ultra fine silica powder. Uh, it's not crystalline silica; it's amorphous silica, and it's like an ultra mm-hmm. ultra pure. Um, uh, f- let's see, five, four hundred micron, five hundred micron uh, amorphous mm-hmm. silica, and uh, and it. It just when it gets in your skin, it's so unbelievably dry that you like when you when you lay on the bed, it's an odd sensation. Like it's I don't know, it's weird. So anyway, I use this brush and I scrub the holy shit out of my skin and try to remove as much of the surface layers as I can tolerate in a you know in a twenty four hour period. And it it so yeah I I have I have fresh fresh balls, quite fresh. Well, that's cool. Oh, that's that's good. All right, so we're doing uh, the questions here. Let's go ahead and dive in on the ball washing here. Uh, uh, T dot says got a hotel room for the weekend, an eight ball of crank. And Tiffany White is heading over. I'm kicking her ass out Monday morning. So uh, yikes! <laughs> you can't wow. kick her out if you're in a bathtub of ice bleeding out while you die. So uh, just keep that in mind. Hopefully yeah, and you can't kick her out when she's it. tied you up. When she's tied you up. I mean, that's hard. <laughs> All right. Uh, let's see here. Okay, yard heart. New lawn install started. Irrigation just went in. Five zones. All right. We won't judge you by the size of your irrigation system, I promise. Sod is going down next week. Forecast is upper 80s, low 90s, and ET has been running around 0.2 to 0.5. What irrigation cycle should I set? So um yeah don't if you've got oh i'd i'd run the holy hell out of this i mean Mm -hmm. five five zones uh i don't know residential heads all that well right what would be a typical precip rate on a mp rotator or a small pgp help me out here what's a precip rate okay that that is about a half an inch to 0.75 inch per hour ryan so okay. here's where I would go. Mm-hmm. I would plan on a 10 minute runtime four times per day, the first 
one to two weeks until the sod takes root. And then once the sod has taken root, then I withdraw back to maybe one irrigation cycle per day at 20 minutes. And then objective is to get it to where the sod is irrigated for a total of a half an inch, two to three times per week. So that's pretty fair. That I, I think. Yeah. That's, yeah. Does uh, that sound about right, Ryan? It sounds about right. I might, you know, if you've got that high of an ET rate, I might run it a little bit harder at night. And I, and when I say at night, like, you know, if your sets, if you get four sets and you're talking like 8, 11, 2, and 5 p.m., you know, so starting 8 in the morning, 11 a.m., 2 p.m., 5 p.m., mm -hmm. three hours apart, assuming that you can get through all your zones and get that precip rate, you know, that shouldn't be a problem because you're only in 10 minutes, it's 50 minutes runtime. Mm -hmm. I would, you know, use that 10 minutes as a guidepost if you think you need to water more to get moisture below your thatch layer. It depends on how thatchy and how thick the sod comes in. There's a lot of different factors here, but I would not be afraid to turn that on, like especially the first week, like at three, four in the morning, because you're dry. You know, your air, if you have mm -hmm. point two to point two five uh, ET rate, your relative humidity is pretty low. I wouldn't be bashful about soaking the living shit out of it. Put like twenty minutes down at that time, get some good base moisture down in the soil, and then just kind of some spritzes, if you will, some syringe cycles. Okay, like raising in ten minutes a day. Yeah, my mother caveat to this is that the first time I run an irrigation system on a newly sodded area, Ryan, yeah. what if I told you that I will put down up to an inch of water in that mm -hmm. first run and then go to that four-time-a-day schedule? Yeah, I'd be fine with that. Soak the shit out of it. I'd even water it with a hose yep. the first time out. I'd, I'll take it a step further. Okay. That, because Ray, that, Ray... That's the that's the other thing that I was going to say is that the actually the first watering on sod is mm -hmm. not from the irrigation it's sprinkling it from a hose until the ground doesn't accept any more water and then mm -hmm. you let the water dry down a little and then you roll it so that it's flat. Yeah. Well, it's <laughs> not so much that it's, I I I don't roll it so much that it's flat, but uh i roll it so that we have good root to soil contact and there's no air gaps mm. i've seen sod that's been installed specifically blue blue and uh, fescue sod that's been installed before mm. where they didn't roll it there's air gaps it never really roots and then when we get in a really hot and it dies weather, in those spots it dies, it dies in those spots, in those spots so, doesn't it yep so yep. uh yard hard two two caveats there from everything you heard you know treat it like it's a kidnapping victim with a dog down the well Give it the hose again, okay? Number one, <laughs> the thing that you have to remember when you're with Ray is, as good as the first time is, the second time is always better. What? <laughs> what? <laughs> hey, Sheila told us about your birthday. <laughs> Not meaning to stall. Serious question: um, Would you would you try to do that on like a Monday, Wednesday, Friday schedule, uh, and just set it and walk away from it, or um, how how? I guess let me rephrase it this way. How frequently would you revisit that to see about making adjustments considering the oh, time of year it day. is? Decline. Every day. Okay. okay. Every day I'm looking at Every that. day. Yeah. Every day. Every day. Every day for the first week, Matt. I mean, that's just uh, how it is. And then once I see the sod put roots into the soil underneath, I then am less anxious. But until that rooting occurs, yeah. it's high anxiety time. And Matt, do you know which variety of sod gives me the most anxiety? Um, I'm going to say Xeon uh, Zoysia. Correct, Matt. Correct. Oh, God. No, was, because that... I was that speaking really a, from my fear there. I'm glad you co-signed it. No, 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 because that son of a bitch... Oftentimes does not want to take root for the first two to three weeks after it's been laid. I've seen it take yeah, yeah, as yeah. long as a month before it takes root. And in that time, everybody is biting their nails, freaking out, and hoping their damn $5 a square foot saw doesn't die. Yeah, I've seen you it know? with a lot of zoysias, especially the newer hybrids like Palisade zoysia. You introduce a little bit of shade in that, and it can legitimately be a four-week process take before a, that starts to take, take root. Take a month, and right? It is, 
it is annoying as hell. Um, mm-hmm. uh, I'll kind of get us moving along here. Would you recommend sodding Zenith Zoysia up against Fescue? Um, I don't, I don't see any issue with it. Uh, you know, the, the difficulty of, you know, maintaining a warm season and cool season grass side by side is there. Right. But I mean, if you're mentally prepared for that, that's fine. Uh, mm-hmm. you know, is the Xenozoysia going to gradually run into it? Sure. Depending on how, how deep the shade is, but like, is there anything that just sticks out in my head? Like why not to do that? Not, not really. Only, like, only if yeah, you just, only if you don't want a Zoysia neighborhood, Paul, I mean, you're going to uh, become the neighborhood's favorite it. guy. You're going to become the neighborhood's favorite guy, Paul. I mean, I, I've I, seen it happen. <laughs> uh, in that regard, I would definitely say do it, Paul. Um, as, a, as a fan <laughs> of Zorcia myself, is the, is the right brand. I will we'll both die on our, each other's heels on that one. Travis Tyler says, why is there such a difference in requirements to get a spray license between states such as Alabama and Florida? Uh, states' rights, man. Uh, everyone regards and governs their their state slightly different than the other one. Now we're all ba- uh, uh, you know held under some laws that are federal, right? Like we have FEFRA uh, that we have to abide by. We have mm. Uh, the EPA, which is going to be federal. Um, however, when it comes to qualifications uh, in order to obtain a pesticide applicator license, that's that's going to be up to the individual states what they require. But you have to think about it, too, is that um, it's going to be easier from a qualification perspective to limit it to a state. Probably makes more sense regionally, right? But, you know, hey, state by state, that's, that's, that's pretty fair, right? Like, you're going to see shit in Florida that you're not going to see in North Carolina. Right. Same to South Carolina and to a large degree, you know, South Florida is going to be different than South Georgia. Um, so, you know, it, it makes sense that there's going to be some variance there state by state. Now, on the flip side is that, you know, Biloxi, Mississippi is also going to be wildly different than Olive Branch, Mississippi, right? From the, the southern end of the state to the northern end of the state. Uh, no, not crazily different. It's just parts of Biloxi. You may not go dormant sometimes of, of North Mississippi. Uh, yeah, you know, you're going to have two months, three months of dormancy that you have to deal with. You go to South Texas up to, uh, and then up to North Texas where you're, you're up in Oklahoma and all that jazz. It was crazy different. I mean, you're going from never going dormant all the way up to, uh, you know, snow cover being down for a, a, a chunk of the year too. Right. You know, a, a fescue, uh, dry climate up in, in North Texas, you know, where it's, it's cold regularly. So, um, anyway, you know, I, trying to put a little bit of that into perspective, but that's, you know, it's, it's up to the States, man. States rights, uh, Southwest Ohio overseeding rate for tall fescue after core aeration on yards. They're in pretty good shape. Uh, that's, that's for you demand. Where are you at on that? If they're in good shape, four or five pounds, maybe six, if you really want to get squirrely with it, but four or five pounds should be fine. Yep. I, you know, I, I cringe a little bit when I see people flipping the spreader to wide the F open on a tall Matt, fescue lawn that is badass just, and just, just wait it. until the after show. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and just a little bit of a precursor for people. Uh, if, if you were interested in that kind of thing, I'll, I'm going to give a little rundown uh, after the show and occasionally from time to time, uh, even when there's no show. Uh, we like to we we like to hang out and we like to go over some of the strange things that we find in internet lawn care, and uh, and provide a bit of a scientific basis, more so for the comedic relief aspect. But occasionally we'll inter- interject with some uh, sciency stuff over whether it's Average. good, bad, ugly, whatever. What would you say? Uh, nothing. Sorry. Average. Oh. Ah. Yes. And, uh, and so anyway, we do that. And if you would, if you would, uh, be interested in that additional content, uh, you can go over to patreon.com forward slash burn return. Uh, you will see, uh, you know, it's for the cost of an airport beer. It's, it's very little money. And, uh, one, you get access to, uh, to hang out with us in a more one-on-one environment. You get to hang out with the other people that are also there. Uh, one thing I can promise you that it's going to be a community of extremely like-minded people. We tend to uh, without really doing anything, the uh, the people who are not like minded uh, usually weed themselves out. It's it's actually pretty interesting. Uh, so if you come in there with the mindset that you are better than everyone else at everything you do with the rest of the world, I promise you, you're not going to make it. 
Um, but if you, if you, if you come in with the standpoint that, uh, uh, like I, like everyone else is there with the intention of, uh, of learning more, uh, and it can be about anything. If you want to learn more about fitness, there's going to be people that are, you know, really into that. If you want to learn things about it, there's people that are really into that. If you want to learn things about academia, we have some ac- academics in there. They're going to talk to us. If you're interested even in organics and compost, well, we have a whole section dedicated to that too. Uh, shout out to our, uh, our 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 buddy who holds it down over there, uh, Spear the Goat. Um, so mm-hmm. anyway, there's something for a little bit of everybody. Uh, if you do not enjoy getting your balls busted, uh, you probably want to stay out. If you're not into bad <laughs> words, they freak you out, they make you nervous. You probably want to stay out. Uh, but if you want to be around people that uh, have a, a, a genuine interest in learning and doing better, whatever it is they choose to do, uh, it's probably a cool place for you. Patreon.com forward slash burn return. Um, I, right, we, oh, here we go. Uh, worth pre-watering before sod installed. In my, no. uh, this is a, this is a, no. See, this is where no. it can get real funky, right? It depends on how much dirt work's mm-hmm. done. If you're talking about running a little bit of water on it to knock the dust down, so uh, as you're walking across it and it's 110 degrees that you're not inhaling, you know, clouds of dust, I get that. But if you're going to go and like get an inch of water down immediately before hauling piece of sod after piece of sod, and then you have four inch uh, mud cakes on the bottom of your shoes, you are literally going to wish you were dead. Then you then, then carry one more piece of side, turning your shoes into 130 pounds a piece, uh, anchors is not a good time. I promise you it's never a good time. No. And, uh, and then the holes dead. you're going to leave across the soil surface as you're doing that is going to equally make you think that, uh, uh that, that you need a redo in life. Um, uh, what's up, Gerardo? It's my big dog over in uh, in Cookville. Thanks for coming to see me the other mm-hmm. day, by the way. Uh, I said, see, another young blood got into it is one hundred percent invested, and you know that is to me that is one of the most inspiring things is to see the the next generation, the next iteration of lawn care guys get into it and have the fire. You know, I worry sometimes about about there not being enough spark to go round, but. Um, you know, our, our buddy in North Carolina, um, so many people in North Carolina, uh, also, uh, Gerardo here, you know, I mean, it's, you, you meet someone and you see they have the fire in their eyes and it just, and it's, it's awesome. It's a, it's a sigh of relief. It's encouraging. And, uh, it's very inspirational, even from my standpoint to want, uh, to do more. Uh, can you, can you use Pilex combined with Quinclorac or is Mesotrion with Quinclorac a better option to get rid of grass, weeds, control, Bermuda and a fescue lawn, weeds or Dallas and goosegrass. Uh, hey, Demay, what is the uh, colloquial uh, colloquial name for Pilex and uh, Quinclorac? Oh, they call it Pile Driver. That's right. Mm-hmm. It is a however, phenomenal tank mix. What are you going to say, Ray? Mm-hmm. Uh, however, if somebody has Dallas grass and goose grass and not many other weeds such as crabgrass or wild violet or clover, I would advocate for leaving out the quinclorac and then hammering that area with two to three successive applications of just Pilex. And here's why. Pilex has activity on both goosegrass and dallasgrass, specifically. Quinclorac does not. So if you can, use up that... uh, Pilex on the uh, on the Dallas and the Goosegrass, and by the way, when I t- last talked to the BASF people, oh, say about seven or eight years ago, what they told me was, when possible, they would rather see people use Pilex or break out the Pilex only if they have a Goosegrass problem. They rather you use something else if you don't have a Goosegrass or Dallasgrass problem. And I'll say this is that in all likelihood, uh, if you're seeing Dallas and goosegrass in, in, in our area, chances are it's eat up with, uh, with crabgrass too. Um, but mm-hmm. in the event, say it did get a pre and, uh, and obviously Dallas is not going to be controlled by a pre considering it's a perennial and, uh, not just a, a, a ton of perfect efficacy against goosegrass, especially depending on timing of, of say like prodiamine or, uh, dithypyr with goosegrass. 
Uh, you could be just dealing with Dallas and Goosegrass. And in that instance, you know, that's where the Pilex alone versus Pilex plus Quinclorac uh, could come into handy. Um, uh, yeah, and the other thing about that, too, is uh, your reseed interval is going to be uh, really, really short. So, you know, it's a great option, mm-hmm. especially because you're running up to seed season as well, too. I think that's a, that's a, that's a big win of uh, both those options. Um, but that versus Mesotrion, or either of y'all in favor of Mesotrion versus Pilex in that situation? I'm uh, okay. I wouldn't. I, I wouldn't need. do it either. Yeah, I, I wouldn't do it either because Mesotrion by itself, or even in com- combination with Quinclorac, uh, not that strong on go- goosegrass or. Dallas grass. However, if he were asking me the same question and this was a Bermuda turf, I would talk to him about adding Sencor or Simazine to his Mesotrione. Mm-hmm. And then he's got and then he's got something. But then because this is turf type tall fescue and cool season grass, I rather he uh spend the money and do the Pilex instead. More efficacious. Yep. And, and more efficacious on knocking back the Bermuda too, uh, especially going into seed yeah. season. That's a that's an mm-hmm. advantage. Yep. Uh, is there a sweet mm-hmm. spot percentage for Kentucky bluegrass in a tall fescue blend? Meaning you get the aesthetics of Kentucky bluegrass, but not the higher water requirements and inputs. That's a good question. I don't know the answer to. May I'm gonna I'm gonna steer the boat in your direction and let you. Uh, <laughs> uh, ponder yeah, it's your it's in your court. It's in your court. <laughs> I don't know that there's a correct answer in this because I think that uh, the uh, the type of bluegrass that you're growing uh, is very important because there's different types of bluegrass to go look up. Um, in Kentucky bluegrass types, you've got like compacts, subcompacts. Um, I my brain's mashed potatoes right now, and I rip off more of them. But the point being is that they'll grow you know kind of differently. So. Uh, you know, within that, I'm not talking about cultivars. I'm saying that these cultivars are grouped into these subtypes, right? So understanding mm-hmm. what the growth habit of those are like, how aggressive they are or not aggressive might uh, turn the table there a little bit. The other part, too, is that uh, I think it's underutilized, like mixing uh, turf-type tall fescue in higher proportions with Kentucky bluegrass. You see a lot of like 90-10 mixes, right? So 90% turf-type tall fescue, 10% bluegrass in those cases but i don't see a lot where it's more balanced right like a 50 50 blend or something like that uh j pink throw that picture up real quick that i sent you so this is a existing this is a field uh in western pennsylvania high school football field and i took this picture a few weeks ago i was walking it because this is one of the best uh in situ uh, examples of a mix a, a really good mixed stand now there's no tall fescue in here there's very limited tall fescue in other parts but this is uh blue rye and if you look down in there you can kind of see the bluish hues and the shorter grass and that's the that's the bluegrass sticking in there and then those taller shoots that you see sticking up above the bluegrass is actually rye grass and you know you we make these blends of seed up in these mixtures and try to get you know the perfect species dynamic and everything like that you know for instance i could tell you like uh I built a golf course 20 years ago, seeded with 85, 15, 80, 85% bluegrass, 15% ryegrass. Five years later, you couldn't find ryegrass because we fed the shit out of the blue with fertilizer and thickened it up and it just took over, right? And I think that's the danger of having too much bluegrass in a tall fescue mix is that it will continue to make gain ground, especially if you give it more fertilizer. But this example right here shows what natural you know, natural species diversity when you seed these grasses, right? And let them grow and do their thing and don't overdo it and try to push one over the other. This is what you get. And it's a very, very, I I walked by it and this is a patch on a, you know, 80,000 square foot football field that might've been, I don't know, like a hundred square feet. And I just stopped and it was like, you know, the heavens were shining down on it. I was like, man, this is a really cool little (laughs) specimen here. So anyway, that's my little story. I'll shut the fuck up now, but J, J farm, um, you know, just be careful on how much bluegrass you put in there if you're going for tall fescue, right? I would say 10 to maybe 20% max. And I think that's where you're going to see your benefit 
more of uh, bluegrass being in there to be, uh, you know, something to help knit it together and also something to help recover uh, if you do lose some tall fescue that there's enough bluegrass in there to kind of help fill in uh, those voids. One thing I was just going to say is, you know, eventually you, you tend, you tend to see the, the grass types, uh, and I'm going to use this word loosely, uh, segregate, you know, where you'll kind of see like, you know, a 500 square foot patch of this, a 500 square foot patch of that. Is there, even though you're overseeding it every year, is there any way to uh, prevent that? Or is that just kind of, you know, the nature taking its course? Nature taking its course. Yeah, it was, I'm sorry. I was just. Loving that out there. More so, I, I I wanted Demay to say it out loud because um, it, eventually that will happen. Um, so anyway, something to keep in the back of your head. Mm-hmm. The, the, pro, the the ability for it to happen is is there. Maybe maybe that's mm-hmm. more accurate. Uh, can someone please bring some rain already? I wish I could. Uh, we we are starting mm-hmm. to need it here as well. Uh, winter overseed, South Texas, currently half an inch, uh, 419 Bermuda. What would you choose and why? Ben eyeing up Saber 3 Poetriv. Uh, I, me personally, I would not do a Poetriv overseed. Uh, one is the color. Uh, uh, two is it's easier to kill. Eh, I'd say they're probably in the same vein with the, the newer mm-hmm. the newer hybrid perennial ryegrasses and Poetriv. They're, they're probably in the... Is, same level of ease to kill. Um, they're both probably, eh. Poetriv might be a little easier on the green up of Bermuda, maybe. But I'm honestly just guessing, though. That's a total guess for me. I don't know that for a fact. I'm thinking, I'm thinking from the, the aspect of, you know, uh, 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 allelepathy and just mm. how badass these new these new perennial ryegrasses are just incredible they're incredible they they're hard to sell gorgeous oh and that's what i was just going to say too is that uh, you know a lot of the i don't want to say they're old wives tales because some of it's true in terms of the bad rap or the cons that you'll hear about you know different species of grass but especially in the cool season side the genetics have just blown past any of those expectations or old wives tailors or whatever you want to call them right uh for the most part you don't i don't know there's just a lot more uh vigor and a lot more uh wider use cases for all these grasses it's not just like you know everybody getting on nor about ryegrass like oh you know it works because they he's got better grass if he was planting you know running ryegrass from 20 years ago he would not be that successful. Mm-hmm. He would tell you that too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Anyway. Ryegrass twenty years ago was wildly different than what we're dealing with now, and it's. I mean, it's like, it's it's unbelievable. Uh, and so I just I want to I want to make this clear to you, Jackson, that I'm going to be partial to perennial ryegrass. I'm looking up Saber Three. You know, the the turf quality on it is okay. Uh, I, you know, they give it, they give it a seven, you know, according to DLF, I would, I would like to look at it on, uh, um, let's see. And this is in Oregon, right? So, you know, eh, I, I'm just, I just would not have a, a high expectation of this being, you know, a really nice looking winter coverage. Speaking Me personally looking at this. Speaking of, of, you know, uh, ryegrass and everything like that. So one of the, one of the bad things about these improved, perennial rise is that when you go to get rid of them like even if you're just waiting for the heat in south texas to bake these things out it's still not pretty nope it's not no you 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 are not you are going to have to spray out perennial ryegrass period so Mm -hmm. what do you feel about like the improved turf type annuals like uh like baron don't look jesse cover your earmuffs jesse yeah yeah like SOS, I think is what it is. No, don't like it. No, no. I've I've seen it no. up close. I thought it was absolute garbage. Absolute right. garbage. Remember, uh, that's, uh, again, I'm comparing this to you know twenty twenty five pounds per thousand. You know, well, you know, really badass perennial ryegrass on uh, 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 you know baseball fields. You remember, just, uh, God, <laughs> it is so beautiful. 
it was like uh, <laughs> two or three years ago. Moving shrub, uh, Phil, on our Discord. Get, what, what, you all right there? Yeah, malfunction. Phil, Phil uh, scalped out his Bermuda. He's planning on redoing his Bermuda the next year. He went out on his front lawn, front lawn with uh, Champion GQ from Seed Research of Oregon at like mm-hmm. thirty pounds, and dude, that shit was mm-hmm. like the Rose Bowl. It was. Yeah. <laughs> Like 747s are flying over at 40,000 feet, and they're like, oh, there's Phil's lawn. Yep. Yeah, there's Phil's lawn. Everything else is fucking brown, and then it's like, yeah, what's that green dot down there, Phil? But that that was on purpose. That was on purpose, though, because I told Phil to drop a really heavy overseed on his Zoisha for the specific purpose of of getting rid of his Zoisha. I, I wanted to utilize that rye to kill whatever Zoisha, because Phil had what I'm going to call a real mixed up lawn because he had various varieties of Bermuda and then he had some Zoisha here and there and he didn't want it anymore and he wanted to go to, I think, Tiff Tough. So I told him, use the rye to kill out all of the Zoisha and the foreign grasses in your yard because that's what rye will do to Zoisha. That's what Rye will do to Zoisha if you overseed, is it'll kill the Zoisha. Matt Martin would have fertilized that at like six pounds per thousand three times through the summer with 3300, just so the customer would drop him before they asked him to redo it. I've got got the stories. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, I have done it. Please drop me. Many, 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 many times. Please be the call. Um, (laughs) Matt, we're just going to have to cancel you. <laughs> you're you you're in the neighborhood and you're staring at your phone screaming it. Call me, call me. <laughs> it's a bad day. But again, you know when you when you you're working at True Green and it's 109 degrees outside, you have no air conditioner in your truck. It's four o'clock in the afternoon and you're contemplating every life decision you've ever made. You know that's and, the, and just entertainment. Wait for to the go day. back there and find Eight Ball Gary laying down in the bathroom. You know, <laughs> don't call nine one one. Don't call nine one. Which Rest in peace, Gary. I, I'm legitimately a great friend of mine. He he did overdose and die, and it was tragic. But uh, you know, I, I again, I, you know, one of my great friends I had from True Green, and, uh, and you know, rest in peace, Gary. I love the holy shit out of you, buddy. Um, I'll never forget you. That is for damn sure, Gary. Uh, re- recommendations for uh, for grubs. In a large area with no irrigation, no significant rainfall for the year, uh, pretty much ate up at least three quarters of an acre this year. Have a metacloprid, but nothing rainfall to move it. Oh God, man! I if you if you can't move it, um, you can't move it. I mean, you can't kill it. You, yeah, you can't you're, move you're, it. Can't you're kill kind it. Of foobard. Um, mm-hmm. If you have nothing. like ultra high volume, and this is like such. A, a one in 100 <laughs> no literally one in 100 no. chance you know a 10 20 gallon per thousand square foot application of a, of a pyrethroid uh, maybe and i highly doubt it highly doubt it again one percent chance of it being slightly effective there is no uh, if it's that dry god damn if it's that dry no it's you you you, you have to water it in yeah, i was gonna say and the little... only other go ahead only other way I could see is this year is uh, in the books and done. But Ryan, how would you feel about him building up chlorentronilaprol in the soil? Oh, like putting it down during a raining se- a rainy season, and uh, you know. yes, leaving it there because you know how chlor- how long chlorentronilaprol lasts in the soil over a year. Nine hundred and seventy-two so, days is half life. Yep. Yeah, that's uh, that's my only thought because the other alternative is he'd have to call me. I bring the trident, and I'm putting down Dilox at twenty gallons per thousand. I just like the the only other way. (laughs) Iowa. Uh, If I were if I were this guy, I would uh, save your gluminocloper for next year, buy some seed, and put that out before the next time it rains. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, there, there we go. Um, 
but, but okay, real quick, as you know, people are talking about recognition. Uh, am I looking at the right label here when it says recognition is trifloxysulfuron, a 20% yes. AI? 20, uh, mm-hmm. uh, you're, you're looking so at that, that correctly. That makes sense, right? Like when you're, so trifloxysulfuron is also known as monument. Uh, mm-hmm. I am a monument simp through and through. Uh, <laughs> there is no bigger fangirl in the world than I am. And what's funny about it is the, you know, the sections on the label about like what not to apply it to. Right. And, um, uh, uh, specific to that is that, um, anybody who's played around in a centipede or, uh, uh, St. Augustine market has played around with low, low rates of sulfonylureas to try and improve weed control on different things. I know I've, I've done it with revolver at really low rates to varying degrees of success, um, I've, I've done it with, with monument at, at low rates on St. Augustine with a, a little bit better than, uh, uh, poor results. And, uh, and so it's interesting that we are re-releasing monument at one third or a little less than one third, the amount of AI and calling it a new, uh, a new ingredient. Now, I don't know how the rates, um, rack up once, once Matt- they're right. So uh what's, uh, what's that i know I, I know the secret i know the what secret i know what the different okay the rest of the content of recognition is this molecule called metcamifin and what metcamifin okay. and what what metcamifin is is that is literally a safener that mm, not yeah, only yeah, allows yeah. the oh, yeah. st augustine to tolerate the trifloxysulfuron, but how's this one? This metcamifin also has the property of improving the tolerance of both St. Augustine and Zoysia to fluazifop. And if you're if you're interested in what a safener is, um, you know, think think about adding um uh, uh triclopyr ester to pilex to lessen the rate of bleaching right so to mit- uh, you're, mitigate you're, the you start to see yeah some of these synergies right. between various herbicides here we actually have uh, uh an in uh, uh in container ingredient uh that is acting as it now metcamifin probably is alo- alone is not um a uh, it's a, not a herbicide, yeah, herbicide. Metcamifin- but However, we have what, a molecule here functioning to improve efficacy and the safety profile of a reduced rate uh, herbicide. Fascinating. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, it's pretty interesting because what if I told you that it will enable St. Augustine to tolerate okay. rates of fusillade that would normally kill the St. Augustine? You can apply enough Fusillate, if you combine it with recognition, to actually kill out Bermuda. Yeah, How's that? that? Is, uh, that's that's pretty pretty interesting. That's fascinating, as a matter of fact, and uh, mm-hmm. that makes a whole lot more sense about it. I was I was about to go on a tangent there, so thank you for for saving me from. Uh, oh no, no problem, Matt. Because uh, <laughs> for me personally, I'm also a monument fanboy as well. Okay. I'm a man, monument fan plan boy too, but I don't see a use for recognition unless I had to treat St. Augustine contaminated with Bermuda. Um, uh, uh, let's see. When we were talking about the pile driver, uh, Evie said, what about adding a claim to it? Um, I know uh, a claim has some some <laughs> negative do? interactions to um, or ne- uh, you can inhibit the efficacy of a claim with two is it two four D or two four D inhibits it two four D cancels out a claim but yeah here's the good news is that if you have a claim with quinclorac and pilex or a claim with quinclorac and mesotrione. That becomes the cleanup grass herbicide. Is it is it overkill? Like I can't I, I can't think of anything I would get by adding a claim to the tank beyond what I'm gonna get with say pilex quinclorac and sulfentrazone. 
what you're going to get, Matt, is you're going to get more inhibition on Bermuda because mm, mm. A, a claim is damaging to Bermuda. It's rather sure. damaging. So if somebody has a issue with rampant uh, Bermuda, I think I would be throwing in a claim every round I could just to inhibit it. Makes sense. That definitely makes mm -hmm. sense. Uh, for sure, Dallas and Goose, I'm starting to see a peer in my fescue uh, and warm season. Thankfully, it's time for a cleanup and put warm season to bed, per se. Uh, understand mm -hmm. that. Um, Dan, the lawn man, said, I do two split pre-emergent apps a year. However, right now, weeds are popping up in yards I maintain. Since South Florida doesn't have low soil temps, what are your thoughts of adding a pre-mid-season? This is where you're going to run into um, issues with uh, uh, annual, annual maxes and creating more problems from root pruning than you will solve problems from weed prevention. If, if you know, there's a there's going to be an axis there that can get crossed uh, where you you invert on that because, in one instance, does it make sense? Yes, theoretically, that makes sense that you can do that. Now, in in practice. The, the the problem is is that you know you are inducing an amount of stress by applying anything that ends in side right any pesticide is going to induce a certain amount of stress on the plant right and so it's a constant level of calculus that you're having to employ to determine whether or not it makes the most sense now i'm not going to steer you away from saying that okay you do your two fall pre apps and then you do one spring and then one uh, late spring or early summer to try and see what it is. But if, you, if you're trying to go two in the spring, one in the summer, two in the fall, uh, and try and bounce back and forth between like different AIs to, to skirt like an annual max, I think you're going to end up creating more problems than you will solutions. Um, I have, an, I have and, another take on this. Yeah, what is I your thought, Ray? I was curious. Okay. If the weeds that he's seeing are broadleaves, or if the weeds that he's seeing is something like doveweed, then he does need another mode of action in the form of something called uh, that molecule called dimethinamid uh, tower. However, tower is an extremely brutal root pruner, it's bad. If we're talking about your more garden variety broadleaves, then this is where I make the case for utilizing isoxabin as part of the pre-emergent. Because I always have to ask now, when somebody says that their pre-emergent is not holding, I got to ask them, what kind of weeds are coming through that standard spring split app of prodiamine? I got to ask, because... If it is anything other than crabgrass or goosegrass or foxtail or other grassy weeds, and it's instead broadleaves, I would start looking towards, is this doveweed? Is this uh, spurges? And if it's one of those two, then I would target my pre at those weeds specifically rather than trying to apply more dinitroaniline herbicides, if that makes sense. And that's a great point, something I did not consider. That's, uh, that's mm. a great point there. Um, real mm -hmm. quick, I just want to get this out of the way. I said I would do this for my wife. Her friend is trying to win a competition. She is a singer-songwriter in New York, in L.A., and is in a competition right now. She won the first round. Uh, she's getting to perform. Uh, she's moving on to the next one and, and wants to do it. You can use Facebook. It's free to vote. If you don't mind, vote for Shihori, one of my wife's really good friends. Uh, show her, her some love and give her the opportunity to further her career. Uh, she, in a lot of the popular animes that the, the kids are watching these days, um, she has uh, has been the composer of of a bunch and bunch yeah. and bunch of those really popular ones. And so wow. right now she's, huh. she's trying to put a face to where she has been behind the scenes. And this is something that will help her catapult that aspect of her career. We are going to take a look at a couple of emails we had. Uh, what's up, Ooh. Grass Thief? Our favorite Jersey of Jersey and of all things that are Jersey. Um, <laughs> it does not get any more. Any more Jersey than, than the, our friend? The, he is the grass uh, thief. 
If you work out the Punnett Square, he's actually homozygous dominant jersey all the way through. I will say I, I do not like northern accents at all. I love the grass thieves accent. It is so pure, <laughs> so pure Jersey that I, I actually want to hear him talk. Strange thing. Um, not sure if this is fungus on my Tahoma 31 and absolutely not how I hope to put it to bed. Any guidance is appreciated. Um, so I was looking at this when I was driving and I was not able to zoom in. I am doing so now. Um, and in my opinion, taking a look at this, it looked like it was a quick, swift uh, dollar spot issue that happened. I'm, I'm thinking what, what, what do y'all think? Yeah, that color, uh, that right there looks like dollar spot that, that has run its course for sure. Uh-huh. And, uh, and, uh, grass thief, also had a confession to me, to me. Okay. Part of this appearance is the fact that he stopped mowing it low and he's letting it grow out. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And this is to and this is Tahoma thirty one and my experience with Tahoma thirty one so far has been that it is ideal at about a half an inch or shorter. It does better at lower heights of cut, whereas I, what I'm seeing right here is this grass is kind of on the taller side for Tahoma thirty one. So. Um, it- all right. Other, other factor too, uh, Matt, yeah. is trying. Are you are you are you treating it for a fungus, or uh, are you are you just gonna? Because in my opinion, this does not look active. It looks it looks like, uh, in fact, it looks like it's already starting to recover. In my in my mm-hmm. eye, mm-hmm. What, do, what do y'all think? Yeah, it's coming are you, back. Are you busting out. It's co- dollar spot control and, and going ham on it. Nope, nope. I mean, no. this is like uh, it, it's already starting to grow back and. You know what I don't see on the leaves? I don't see any more of those white lesions with the black banding on either end of the lesion. I, I don't see that right now, so it's not active dollar spot. I also don't see the morning time mycelium. Depending on what time you took this picture, Grass Steve, I don't see the, the mycelia because I, I got to tell you, I've seen some lawns with dollar spot where I get there at about eight thirty nine o'clock and there's mycelia growing all around every lesion. And that's when I start to back away and reach for the lexicon. Not kidding. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> yeah. Um, so you said you don't know what to do. Grass thief. Super simple. Don't do anything. Uh, if you're, if you're real worried about it, apply, you know, uh, a quarter pound of in or, uh, yeah, yeah. I'd say a quarter pound in, uh, and you, you've, st- you still got enough growing season left. You're not going to hurt anything doing that. Just, you know, grab some urea or ammonium sulfate quarter pound in You're golden. Nothing water. to worry about fertilizing yeah, water and, uh, yep. and, and water it in. And that's literally all you got to do. Uh, so this is one of those, just be patient and it's going to grow out and you're going to be a okay. Um, all right, let's see. The other one is from Dave. Dave said, I'm in central Illinois. I've struggled with snow mold in previous years. I'm not sure if I should be mowing short, feeding less, skipping nitrogen, all of it. Any tips, man, I don't know if I have seen anything conclusive on, uh, just a, um, uh, purely cultural practice standpoint that is going to provide, um, um, a surefire efficacy approach on, on mitigating uh, snow mold. I know, oh golly, what is his name? Dr. Dempsey in Ireland has, if I recall correctly, I'm maybe brain farting on this, but I think he has been doing a lot of research with phosphites and snow mold, <laughs> if I recall correctly, and showing uh, mm-hmm. some degrees of ev- efficacy there as a late season application, you know, prior prior to the shutdown. Um, but uh, culturally, is there anything sticking out to you all off the top of your head for, I, I don't know. I don't know. Snow, I've never had to deal with it really. Uh, so a couple of things. Yeah. There is some work with uh, Dr. Dempsey and, and microdokium patch, right? So um, you can look at that. That's more, um, 
that's pink snow mold, right? So mm-hmm. um, gray snow mold is what you're more likely to see in the dead of winter. I think the things that, uh, oh, uh, Micah Woods. Now this is on L93 bent grass, but we've seen it in other full season grasses too, just anecdotally where uh, late season applications uh, or, or really all fall long of uh, potassium can exacerbate uh, snow mold symptoms and signs so if you are mm-hmm. applying any potassium just kind of cease that uh there you know there used to be this thought that uh potassium was sort of a winterizer and even i think if you look at uh the scott's winterizer product it's gone down a little bit i think but uh it still has you know, a pretty good amount of potassium in it uh there was some thought that you know with stress and all the other fucking bullshit that everybody says about potassium like um that there would be a need to put that down prior to winter but uh Micah Woods, you know, showed this on uh low cut turf that there was a higher incidence of it when you apply potassium late in the year. So start with that. Um as far as mowing heights and things like that, you can trick it. Here's the thing about snow mold is that, you know, you find it, you freak out, and then three weeks later, as long as the temperatures continue to climb, it's fucking gone. Nothing to worry about. Mm-hmm. So I don't get too worked up about it. And if you're really, really concerned about it, go out with, I mean a simple preventative fungicide application, you know, late in the year, if you're in central Illinois, I'm thinking like right the week after Thanksgiving time, something like that. And go out with like propiconazole at like two fluid ounces per thousand. Pretty safe yep. bet. High rate propiconazole. Uh, and then if you really have valuable turf, then the good one for snow mold is that uh, SDHI called Velista. However, Rob a bank. That stuff costs money. <laughs> <laughs> but it works. Yeah. Yeah, I know, you know, Connor had to deal with it and has has played around with lots of different things and, you know, trying to to mitigate the snow mold issue. You know, it, it is what it is. Like I said, that's that's well beyond I get I get very little snow cover here. And if I do, it's typically gone within actually twenty four uh, hours I remember most, ta- maybe forty eight hours. Yeah. I remember talking to Connor about his uh you know, snow mold issues. And then uh, we have our friend in North Dakota, Gravy Lookout, who has similar issues with snow mold. And let's just say that uh, after discussing their situation with them, they embarked on a golf course level snow mold prevention program. I'll leave it at that. <laughs> um. Let's see. Uh, okay, I think that was all of our emails. Let me get back over here to the chat and see what's going on. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, J- Busy Bees has a. Uh, oh, okay. All right. Never mind. We're gonna we're gonna mm-hmm. move through all that. Um, where where are we? Uh, Johnny Fescue along hey, John, Johnny Fescue. Let me let me go over here because J Pink is the one who's actually keeping us in uh, in check here. A flumioxazin in the soil. Uh, so I, I looked at the SurePower label, and all right, the question is: Is how long does flumioxazin stay present in the soil as far as fescue seed germination after SurePower? The label says four weeks. Uh, one mm-hmm. thing to keep in mind is that it is an ultra low rate of flumioxazin in yes uh, uh, SurePower. It is not like going out with sure guard and uh, because mm-hmm. of that reseed interval is going to be a long time. Uh, flumioxazin in sure power is not going to be that long. Label says four weeks. I would, I would say that with the label, four weeks is good. It also says on the label that if you ensure really good seed to soil contact, three weeks, uh, 21 days. So I would say that in that, you know, 21 to, to 28 day range, you're going to be okay. Have y'all seen anything firsthand that would counteract that? Nope. You know, I have done some less than optimal situation seedings with sulfentrazone at the four week mark, and uh, and I and I can't say it was anything that would uh, uh, d- just cause real problems. Maybe a little slow on establishment. I've done the same thing with some triclopyr before. Um, you know, spraying a little bit of triclopyr on like a patch of wild violets while I'm seeding, 
um, that may be in like the corner somewhere in a backyard and not a high visibility area. And that it didn't completely stop the seed from coming in. It was just painfully slow, you know, where in six weeks, the lawn looked mostly good, except in that area, you know, it was a solid 12 weeks before, you know, it looked like it was not treated with an herbicide at the time of seeding. So, you know, just something to keep in the back of your mind there. Uh, do any of you used AI label for farms uh, because of the, uh, the, the costs? No Bassmaster. And the reason being is that, um, you know, again, we're professional applicators. We're, we're bound by, by FIFRA um, and our, our local Department of Agriculture. And if we get caught doing that, that is our ass. Uh, it's, it's a big fine. Uh, you lose your, your applicator license. And, uh, and so your question becomes, do you save $20 on this application to lose your ability to make hundreds of thousands of dollars over the next decade, right? Like what is, what is the risk worth it for you there? So I would tell you that, uh, don't do that because ultimately what that ends up doing is giving the EPA, your local department of agriculture, um, and every other regulatory body an opportunity to look at you that that did do it and then pass a law that ends up affecting everyone else right and uh and so it's easier to uh just bite the bullet on the front end play with their games so that way they the the bureaucrats do not feel like it's a perfect opportunity to take more and more and more and more because we're not responsible enough to be able to handle it right it's like when your child has a straw and they keep trying to drink you know uh dr pepper through their nose right it's like okay you're not old enough to be able to handle a straw so i'm gonna have to take it away same same gig with uh with uh you know using uh, off-label herbicides in that regard right you know it's label for farm it's not label for turf uh and we get caught doing it it's just going to fuel their look up lawns in america on google right now and uh, and and tell me about all the positive press that lawns and lawn care is getting in the news <laughs> it doesn't exist they hate us they legitimately hate us and they see no value in turf and uh, and a lot of that is because they can point at things like this and say, look, they can't even follow the measly rules that they already have. Uh, therefore, they they deserve all the rules to have nothing. Um, busy bees. Look at Canada. Busy bees. Can we dive in? Oh, we already did that. Uh, Woody said, "Would you oversee Zoysia? Hell no. Hell no. Hell no." And Blip I think we just ride. covered that. Yeah. Also chimed in too. and said, "How does Rye kill Zoysia?" Again, there's an allelopathic uh, uh, issue. Action, with, yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, allelopathy is mm -hmm. um, uh, a plant will admit uh, various compounds that become toxic to other plants. Uh, perennial ryegrass mm -hmm. is a has a, a relatively um, high degree of ability of being able to release these toxic compounds to eliminate competition, right? And, uh, and the, the older the, or, and more established that ryegrass becomes, typically the, the, the greater the effect it has. So, um, you know, and that's why typically if you can spray it out early enough, you, you manage a lot of that on the front end without having to deal so much of the repercussions on the back end. Zoysia being, you know, slow as it is, um, you know, it just, it takes a long time for it to recover from it. And, uh, and so where you may overseed, you know, like Bermuda grass, and it will uh, it will take you know until June to fully recover from it, where normally you would be greened up on May first um, with with uh, with zoysia grass, uh, where you would normally be greened up by May fifteenth. It may take you until the following July fourth in order for you to have coverage again. Slower growing, slower to rebound, slightly more sensitive to it. Um, if that if that makes sense. Uh, first attempt to kill Dallas grass with glyphosate in dormant Bermuda coming up. I am in Oklahoma City, wondering if November will be too early. How do I know if it will be dormant enough? <laughs> the, the magic question. Um, my recommendation on this is that uh, chances are in you will not time this correctly. You just won't deal with it, and you're going to be okay. Um, you, you know, in a perfect world, what would happen is that you would have enough of a freeze to knock out the, uh, the, the growth, the overwhelming growth potential of the Bermuda grass and not the Dallas grass, right? So 
you can be dormant with Bermuda, right? Where you've had you've had some frosts, right? And it's brown. You dig down into it and you see still kind of that yellow green on the stem, right? You you scratch the surface, you still feel a lot of moisture in that uh in that in that grass uh and stem. Um well, even at that point, you know, you're still going to get some movement of glyphosate. So really what you would be looking for is that first freeze and then immediately getting on it. You're not going to time it correctly. It's okay. Everyone, no one, I've never seen anyone do this successfully. Never. Um, so those patches you do spray are not going to green up and it's okay because it's Bermuda grass and it will grow out relatively quickly. But it's going to look like spring dead spot until it does fill back in. So just be mentally prepared for that. I don't care how hard you try to time this accurately. It's not, it's not going to happen. It's a, it's a pipe dream, and uh, it is what it is. And you'll be okay. It's going to be dormant and, and dead. I mean, it's going to be dead when it comes out of dormancy, the Bermuda, but it'll fill in relatively quickly. Uh, it's just the way it is. Um, and if, if it were me, I would not, I would not do that with glyphosate. I would, uh, I'd be doing tribute total apps right now. Uh, and then f- follow-ups in the spring, just me. Um, last, last two here real quick. I'll kind of fly through these, uh, Carol spice girls. All right, let's try this again. What's the requirements up, of nitrogen on Kentucky bluegrass lawn annually? Uh, it's gonna, it's, it's gonna vary depending on cultivars, whatnot. Um, and really how much growth you want to get out of it. Uh, so that could be anywhere from two to four pounds. An easy thing to do is, uh, uh, go look at your climate appraisal form at pace turf, do pace turf, climate appraisal form, put in your zip code, throw it in, and it will approximate your, uh, based off your historical weather, uh, uh, uh temperature data, what your nitrogen requirement will be. Or just go to bellforcelawnacademy.com and you know, pay four times the price for a quarter of the fertilizer and just, you know, get some highly curated bullshit out there, you know, mm-hmm, yep. mm-hmm. <clears throat> that works. Uh, don't That's forget the, what is it? Is it the micro booster, the soil, soil booster? Spox, spox, I think it's uh, Enzite lawn. can't lawns, remember the name of it. Yeah. Rub the shit on your lawn. It'll grow. Um, <laughs> what about overseeding in fescue and spraying out? Um, yeah, you could. What? It's just your 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 quality of what? fescue overseeded uh, uh, Bermuda grass. It's not going to produce a what great surface. Paul, what are you, Paul? Are you asking that this for your cousin Juan Barber? Weirdo. He's asking that for his cousin Juan <laughs> Barber. He's trying to barb some lawns <laughs> in North Carolina. <laughs> Don't do it. Uh, Alex Thompson said, "Getting ready to sod with Tiff Tough in my backyard and have crepe myrtle suckers coming up where I dug out the root ball last fall." Any thoughts on the course of action before I sod or after? <laughs> Try and pull them up again uh, when it does eventually grow through your sod because it will, um, uh, you know, just keep keep spraying it and trying to nuke. dig it out to the best of your ability. No, this you can nuke. The, uh, you can nuke it because uh, what you do there, Matt, is do, some MSM. But, Oh, good, good yep. call. Good call. Yeah. A little so bit of MSM, methyl- I mean, yeah, I mean, that's just mm-hmm. fatal to most trees and shrubs. And that's normally a bad thing. But in this case, because he has a former crepe myrtle that he's trying to get rid of, that may be to his advantage. There. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> or we could, we could do the old uh, Corsair if that was still labeled, but it's not. Um, okay, <laughs> they're not even making it anymore. But Corsair, boy, he would kill a tree in an instant. Uh, okay, we're headed out of here. We it's in the garage. Oh, I did. Mm-hmm. Get some of the Actually, garage if you need it. I, you, I do too. I really do. I still have the screw yeah, on top do. to measure it. You know, yeah. and it had the little mm-hmm. twist. Oh no! I know. Oh yeah. yeah. Oh no! It's been sitting there for years. It's probably it's probably all inert material at this point anyway uh we are going to the show after the show like i said um if you want to come hang out there it's cheap it's four bucks a month uh you you can hang out with us on the with with the additional content you can also join our discord we got some really cool people in there uh uh, travis shaddix is in there uh we have uh uh, our our old buddy at delaware turf uh is up there ud turf man uh ud Ud turf guy uh, as you you see him on twitter 
Um, and uh, he's actually got some really cool trials and experiments in a way right there. I don't think I can go into a lot of details on those, but uh, he's definitely an open book. And, uh, and there's just in general, a lot of people there that are interested in learning. So if you're interested in learning more, patreon.com forward slash burn and return. And then of course, you also get access to the different things that we do throughout the course of the year, like um, the, our meetup that we have coming up and uh, that, that sold out incredibly quickly. Uh, every time we <laughs> open it, it tends to sell out faster than it did the year before, even though we increased size by about 25%. Uh, again, you know, we, we're, we're having to slowly uh, grow into that because you know, we, the, we've, we've got to cash flow it too. So it's, uh, it's an interesting thing to watch it accelerate at the rate it has. Um, and uh, so, yeah, patreon.com forward slash burn return. If you're not into dirty words or adult content or anything like that, um, you know, uh, yeah, uh, it's, it's okay. It's probably <laughs> not for you. It, it, no harm, no foul. It doesn't bother us, I promise. Uh, Jago said, are the big time YouTubers in there too? No. They're not. Um, no, they don't. They, they, typ- they typically do not like. Well, I take that back. Nor's in there. Nor's a giant YouTuber. Yeah, uh, yeah. And, Ryan, uh, Ryan's and, uh, there. Yeah, yeah. You'll see. You'll see yeah. Brian, and uh, and Brian likes to peep in after a few, three, four cold beers, and uh, and share his love of all things sound, music, and uh, and production. And so, like, if you want to learn how to produce at an exceptionally high level or have sound at an unreal level. Uh, Ryan is in there. We also have people that are actually other audio engineers in there. Ryan is actually a a classically trained audio engineer and we have additional audio uh, engineers in there as well. It's a wild ass place. Wild ass place. Legal advice, you name it, you can get it in there. Uh, or if you if you want to make a bathtub crank, uh, Busy Bees can get you can get you hooked up on that too. I'm sure he knows, although no one has quite directly asked him how to do it yet. Thankfully, <laughs> um, anyway, we're headed over there. Love y'all. See you on the flip side. Bye. <laughs>